Hi, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor here at Light Reading. I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm also an editor at Light Reading. And I'm Mike Flannery, the Chief Marketing Officer for Windstream Enterprise. Right. Well, thanks for joining us, Mike. We appreciate it, especially, um, I guess, to date ourselves a little bit, but on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. We're recording this on a Friday. To, uh, <laughs> enter at your own risk. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here with both of you. Friday or no Friday, it's always good to, to be with both of you. Yeah, appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, well, today we wanted to talk to you about Sassy. <laughs> Always fun to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And SD-WAN. Um, w- one thing we've heard from a few um, service providers is that it seems like SD-WAN didn't take off as much as we might have expected in the pandemic. I mean, it seemed like it would be a great tool for remote workers and just a natural fit. But um, seems like there's still some hesitancy there for uh, enterprises to use it for their remote workers. Is that something that you're seeing as well with your customers? Yeah, I think Kelsey, it's a it's a great observation, and there there's some you know a lot to unpack there. And if I may, I, I think you know SD WAN is the right solution for remote workers who you know needing to have a reliable, secure application aware connectivity that most business owners and IT managers would agree it, that that's a large shift in investment from a, a corporate centric network, which is what we were all mostly in, to an end user centric network. And, and you know, security becomes the biggest challenge. Hence, you hear the term SASE or Secure Access Service Edge, uh, which really is, it, it creates a framework, I think, SASE for SD-WAN and security with a focus really on moving security, you know, from the corporate location or data center to the user, to the edge, and and really to the cloud for bolstering that remote access capabilities. I think, you know, candidly, um, this shift in technology uh, is somewhat um, underpinned by the uncertainty around the length of the pandemic and the impact it's had on, you know, these IT managers and, and the waiting game. Uh, organizations still had quite a bit of their overhead tied up in their physical locations and networking services, albeit there's less reliance on energy, the demand for energy, environmental controls, but investment in a, in a home-based SD-WAN would have been a materially additive cost at a time where I think, you know, businesses' revenues were, were under some pressures as a result of the pandemic. And candidly, I, I didn't see too many companies pre-pandemic paying for home internet usage for their remote workers at any scale. Um, You know, some have announced plans to do so. Some of our customers are doing that now, but there wasn't significant corporate adoption of that concept. And I think for our industry to expect organizations to pay for home internet service, that's better than what, when they weren't paying for that internet service in the first place, it was, it was a very bullish outlook for the industry, but I think as the pandemic continues on, you'll see more and more of that. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense because it, it just seemed like a natural step. But as you mentioned, you know, they're already having to consider, um, you know, the economic impact of the pandemic in general. And then on top of that, what do they have to pay to support their home workers? Um, that, that's a really 
uh, really good point. Um, were there, and it, you mentioned security, um, and it, it seems like that's something else that was um, kind of a, a second phase part of the pandemic, if, if you can call it that, and that a lot of these enterprises were scrambling for connectivity um, for their workers, but then, oh, yeah, we need to make sure that the home network um, is secure. Uh, is that kind of what you were seeing with your customers as well? Like a, a kind of secondary, oh crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> very much so. I, you know, it's interesting, Kelsey, because, you know, the, the barrier for us to utilize SD-WAN and home network security, but first you got the cost and the support for multiple circuits and multiple uh, CPE devices, right? And if you think about security at the home, number one, you know, you need to separate home traffic from business traffic, but also support the high bandwidth bandwidth needs that a lot of homes have today. And think about it, online gaming, streaming video, security, IoT, Alexa, Google. I mean, yeah, I can so definitely much. tell when my when my husband's playing like Fortnite or Civilization <laughs> or I'm like, man, so I'm it's all to work. yelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, and you think about it, you know, most, if not all of, of Wi-Fi solutions that are integrated into SD-WAN technologies aren't designed with high performance in mind. What I mean by that is, you know, this deficit that exists, would it would require home users to be capable of, of reconfiguring their existing Wi-Fi to support multiple segments or multiple SSIDs, right, to make SD-WAN work in the home. Um, and, and again, you're talking about generally one device. The access point and the Wi-Fi and the modem are, are all one, right, in that broadband modem. So in order for SD-WAN to work properly, all of the traffic from that one location, the home in this case, needs to flow through an SD-WAN appliance. And in these cases, you know, home users would need to procure or organizations like businesses would need to provide and support separate Wi-Fi access points to support that type of deployment. Um, and then you've got to configure again for home traffic versus corporate traffic. And there's different security layers that different uh, you know, uh, streams of traffic require. Um, for us, you know, we've worked with our technology providers on this Wi-Fi, what we call a Wi-Fi deficit. And you know, we're expecting a new device in market next year that will help overcome those limitations. So again, secure home access by uh, using the existing infrastructure that people have at, at their homes today. It's an interesting point that you made earlier about um, the acceptance of, I guess, the reality of working at home and how homes needed to be secured and internet service needed to be upgraded and Wi-Fi needed to be improved. I think what we kind of ran into there was a recognition from a policy point of view like a corporate policy point of view, and then a recognition from a technology and investment point of view. And I think we were pretty easy, you know, people are pretty empathetic, you know, early on to sort of go like, oh, of course, yeah, everybody work from home, everybody do what you need to do to be comfortable, you know, let's all stay safe, that sort of thing. But that didn't necessarily un uh, unlock the money that was tied up in other IT projects, in buildings, in facilities. And now, the longer the pandemic's been going on, we're still in it, by the way. People in your copy and, and when you write your <laughs> press releases, stop saying post-pandemic. 
it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, I also saw a headline recently that were some scientists say we're not going to ever get past. Yeah, <laughs> not well, to scare yeah, COVID will probably but... be around. Yeah, they they <laughs> stopped saying another podcast, <laughs> which I thought was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but but moving on to that, yeah, they 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 didn't unlock the the necessary investment, um, and and I I do understand that they're that you know like you were just mentioning, it's not a trivial thing to have that um, point of you know that that access level uh, access point separation of traffic within the home network. And then it's also not a trivial thing as we're finding in the U S especially um, to just have a big enough pipe to carry all that traffic, um, you know, in and out of neighborhoods and, and the Metro choke points and things like that. One of the most interesting things we've discovered as we've been going on, um, I guess we're on our close to, or right around our 30th episode now of a podcast, our sister podcast called the divide, where we've been exploring the digital divide. And it's a really pronounced problem that doesn't just uh, affect, you know, certain communities with certain levels of internet access. The, the choke points are all over the place and they affect every working person, you know, no matter where they are. Um, yeah. So anyway, thanks for bringing that. Thanks for helping me kind of, uh, you know, appreciate the difference between sort of the empathetic acceptance of the problem and the actual spending. Yeah, you know, Phil, it, it's really, it's really an important point that you raised there that I think your listeners, uh, I hope I can help, uh, you know, eliminate this. But when you think about the tools that we have at home, they're not so much the challenge as what remote access does to a corporate network, right? These networks, the folks that have migrated to SD-WAN, as, as Kelsey was saying earlier, have, far, have fared excuse me, far better than their legacy MPLS brethren. And what I mean by that is, you know, in the case of, of, of companies that have, have migrated to an SD-WAN infrastructure, there's a high likelihood they've moved many of their applications to a SaaS environment or a cloud-based model. You know, and in these models, organizations typically have scaled up networks to accommodate an increased traffic flow to and from the internet. And when they needed more bandwidth, it's pretty easy to, to, to turn up bandwidth in, in that type of environment. They can easily add capacity to their SD-WAN uh, in a very short time span. And, you know, when, when those, what's more, those companies had a cloud-based remote access solution integrated into their SD-WAN, like secure remote access, which is something we, we offer here at Windstream Enterprise, they could increase remote access bandwidth in a matter of minutes. Now, on the MPLS side, that's just not the case. Uh, you know, those companies might have been dabbling with SaaS and cloud and services, but their corporate traffic was still running through a private network. Um, they had a single internet drain in most cases. And when you shift millions and millions of workers to remote work and you have a dramatic increase in the internet bandwidth needed to accommodate that flip in network traffic, because now more, more of their corporate traffic now once stayed within their network. Now their entire workforce is trying to access it through a single internet gateway um, because they haven't scaled it. Uh, you see increased traffic that creates all sorts of congestion. You've got a hairpin that traffic through the corporate network, further increasing usage, which is a degradation in speed and ultimately a negative impact, impact on productivity. Um, it's a real issue that businesses are struggling with. And, and I think as Kelsey said, 
this is not going to change in the short term. This is a real issue for those companies that didn't make the move early on to the cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of um, shifting over to uh, our, our favorite acronym, SASE. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, how your conversations are going with customers around SASE. Are they on board um, with the concept? I mean, I, th I think the convergence of networking and security has been around for a while. It's just that Gartner kind of put this um, fun bumper sticker name on it, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so how are those conversations going? Are, are customers understanding SASE? Are they interested in it? Are you still trying to get over the hurdle of SD-WAN? Because I mean, we just talked about how some, some folks are still diehard MPLS. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's a it's a great, great question, Kelsey, because you, you said it right. Gartner coined this term, right? And and I think when you talk about SASE, you first have to start by defining it as it's really a layered interwoven fabric of both network and security technologies that go together. And it really, they go together to protect the organization's data and systems from essentially unwanted access, right? And, you know, Gartner has said that when you think about cloud security, by 2024, 40% of all enterprises, they expect to have explicit strategies to adopt SASE. But you know, with anything new, um, you need more education. And when I say new, I'm putting, you know, new in quotes. At its core, SASE is really a, a combination. It's a smorgasbord of technologies that we've had, you know, at least for five, six years. I know inside of Windstream Enterprise, we've had it for six years. And there's not a discussion that we've had over those past six years that doesn't include this, I'll call it convergence of both networking and security. Um, I think the technologies have tremendous promise to simplify and streamlining the streamline the inner working of network and security services, but there's a long way to go. Um, not only from a technology standpoint, but as you point out, from a customer readiness standpoint. Um, you know, the pandemic has created a lot of attention. We've talked, we've all heard about the breaches, right, um, that are occurring from a security standpoint. And you know, I think businesses overall are focused on education. Uh, a percentage of them, though, clearly are seeking a simplified management of a SASE-based framework, bringing SD-WAN and various security components together uh, in a single management interface. Uh, that's something we, OneStream Enterprise, has had great success with, with our SD-WAN and security solutions, you know, co-managed. Uh, and monitored with what we consider a really immersive uh, customer portal we call WeConnect. We've won several awards with it, but it, it really brings security and networking together. And that's really the intention behind SASE. That, that, that's the framework. Um, more education, though, is clearly needed in the industry. As a service provider, a managed networking service provider, that's our goal, is to educate not only our existing customers, but prospects. Um, you know, most if not all, aren't ready to dive headfirst into the deep end and to the letter of SASE. Um, but I think we have uh, solutions today that can meet them where they are uh, on their digital or cloud-based transformation journey, which for many companies, like I've said, it's just really starting uh, because of the pandemic. Just a 
quick uh, follow-up question on that. Um, just just kind of explore what you were saying a little bit. Uh, obviously, like you said, more more education is needed for the market. Are you finding that there are certain, um, uh, I guess, sectors or types of companies where SASE and SD WAN has already been quickly uh, was adopted more quickly, or was uh, uh, has been more readily uh, accepted, and and kind of what what were the characteristics around those uh, adoptions that 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 you know kind of put the the need with the technology. Yeah, Phil, that's a great question. We have seen uh, a couple of, uh, I'll call them hotspots, uh, healthcare clearly being one of them, um, banking and finance. Uh, we've got you know, a significant portfolio of customers in those two verticals. And, and without, you know, I'll, I'll take you through some of the components of it, but it starts with SD-WAN, right? It's an architecture of, you know, of connectivity that decouples the, the networking hardware from the physical control layer um, and it fits businesses. And by offering a resilient and very agile solution, it enhances the overall WAN and, and, and management. And those two verticals, you know, right off the bat, saw the power that could be derived by by changing their networking topology to that type of environment. Um, you know, we're we're doing an interesting case study. I can't mention the customer, but it's a it's a significant healthcare uh, entity here in the Northeast, uh, where they are using our SD WAN solution to read uh, radiologists at home. So as scans come in throughout the night. Uh, doctors who might be on call or very specific specialists are, are using our secure network to be able to consume images and then return, uh, you know, a diagnosis uh, or a reading on said images. And uh, before, you know, the pandemic, they'd have to call people in or you'd have to wait, you know, overnight, depending on the situation, what specials might be needed. Now that's been been able to be delivered real time by one stream enterprises. So that's just one example, I think, of many out there. And clearly, financial services, nothing scares a CIO or a C level, the C level more than a potential breach. Mm -hmm. um, and again, security, when you talk about zero trust network access, cloud access security brokerage, secure web gateways, and firewall as a service. Those are critical components of a SASE solution from Winstream Enterprise. Uh, and that is top of mind with all C-level folks in, in the financial vertical. Uh. Yeah. We'll say personally, uh, um, uh, telehealth has, has been really nice because when you are actually really sick, sometimes it's so hard to get a doctor's appointment. You're like, but I actually, like, it's not just a physical, I feel terrible. <laughs> I need to yeah. see someone. And you also don't really want to go anywhere. <laughs> Especially now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Even if you have like a cough or allergies, people, you know, yeah, it's, away it's, from you. <laughs> well, I also, and you know, waiting rooms and stuff like that, you don't want to right. be hanging out in there. <laughs> that's, that's where people get sick. Yeah. Um, um, so, so just to kind of uh, close things out, um, Mike, has Windstream... Um, noticeably been been impacted by the pandemic at all or have you um you know changed how you're using some of these technologies like SD-WAN and SASE internally or your approach to security how has um Windstream uh adapted to a remote workforce yeah I tell you Kelsey it was uh you know we were we consider ourselves built 
to be very agile and uh, be able to facilitate, you know, connectivity and collaboration in this type of environment. As a, as a case study, we use ourselves with a lot of our prospects and customers in that. You know, within the first week, when you go back to, I guess it was March of 2020 now, uh, we have about uh, a little over 10,000 employees. Uh, we moved about 7,000 of those employees to fully remote and have been that way for the most part since then in, in less than a week. Uh, we've got uh, SD-WAN uh, along with secure remote access. It's our flagship product uh, from a networking and connectivity standpoint. So, you know, security was never an issue. We, we kind of drink our own champagne, as we like to say, uh, and, and invoke those policies and tools immediately. And then from a, from a collaboration standpoint, we've got uh, our, our flagship product on the voice side is Office Suite. Uh, and we leverage a partnership with uh, uh, Zoom and we offer HD meetings. So we offer a fully immersive video uh, application for, for collaboration amongst groups. Um, it's getting back to the healthcare, it's a HIPAA compliance solution as well, SOC 2 uh, certified as well. So you know, we we immediately went in and, and in that uh, in that situation, not only do we offer it to prospects uh, for, for 90 days free. And we saw a tremendous take rate, but um, you know, we were able to demonstrate the technology with prospects as well as our customers uh, working in, in, in that manner. So uh, we felt uh, you know, we've been very successful uh, navigating these uncertain times and, and we've been providing to both our customers and, and, and prospects as well to help them get through these uh, difficult times. Yeah, Sounds I like good. the idea of drinking your own champagne at light reading we'd probably have the miller high life the champagne of beers <laughs> i think that's about our level <laughs> i think uh, i think we are our reputation actually is that we drink everyone else's champagne too that's <laughs> part of the problem <laughs> okay. uh, that, might, that might be a good place to end it right there actually I think so, yeah <laughs> um, well thanks so much mike we appreciate you mike. joining us Great well, to see you. Hey, Thanks so much. Phil, thank you. Kelsey, thank you. I will drink your champagne anytime. <laughs> or, with we'll you save a Miller High Life for you. <laughs>